the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. Alright, got my whiskey drink, got my water drink, okay. You got a lot of drink? <laughs> I'll always got, do, baby. <laughs> you got a side of drink? Was that the song you were saying? I, yeah, I was referencing that song. Okay. Uh, Power Extreme! Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, that was the wrong show. Uh, we're talking about another post-apocalyptic kid show about uh, cybernetically power-suited enhanced heroes fighting cybernetically power-suited enhanced villains. That's right. We're talking about Captain Power. Power on! Captain Power, he's a hero. Gonna take Dr. Dread down to zero. Sorry. <laughs> Dr. Dread. Dr. Lord Dread. <laughs> he dropped his doctor monocle for uh, for a Lord monocle. But, uh, he did. I mean, I probably would too as well if I got those sweet upgrades. Uh, what's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to this month's episode of TV Obscura. I'm one-third of the TV Obscura team. Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C, joined with me as always are my two brothers from Other Mothers, Zach, the total snacket Schaefer, and A, Diallo, the Armageddon Jackson. And this this month, we have a big episode, one that we, we kind of had, we pushed a little bit uh, from last month to give Diallo time to watch every single episode in the 22-episode mm. series. But we are talking about Captain Power and the soldiers of the future. Boys, Diallo, what's up, my man? What's up? How are you guys doing? You guys are nerds, by the way. <laughs> we are? We yeah. are? Yeah. <laughs> Zach, how's it going, my man? In case you were wondering. Good. I'm more like uh, doy. <laughs> doy. As I drink from my Marvel Comics uh, <laughs> mug. Captain Power. He's the man. With my TARDIS background. Hook up with Pilot if he can. Spoiler alert, he doesn't, unfortunately. Spoiler alert. 
And spoiler alert, Pilot might be the best character on the show. So we will, uh, and maybe even the hero of the show. But we will get all all up in that business with this uh, this discussion here. Um, guys and gals, this is going to be another one of our, uh, I don't know what we call this, like feature breakdowns or feature discussions where we are only talking about Captain Power. We're not going to be discussing anything else uh, with this this week because... All three of us felt that this show was worthy of, of full discussion and everything. Um, we're going to be breaking down, as per usual, the pilot, or discussing, we don't usually break down. Uh, as per usual, we're going to be discussing the pilot, uh, the finale, which is actually a two-parter, and uh, an episode in the middle, which we figured out, basically, we just decided to go with the highest IMDb-rated episode. Um, thankfully, Diallo actually had a chance to watch the entire two the entire 22 episode run. So he's going to be filling in a lot of blanks because I actually have some questions like Diallo. When did pilot help? When did her helmet get upgraded? Like when did the hell of that change? I got all the answers, man. I got all the answers. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. So Diallo will be handling the pilot. I will be handling the finale and Zach will be handling myself. <laughs> episode 14 uh, judgment. Judgment, like Judgment Night? Yes, that would judgment be... Judgment Day? <laughs> that WWE would... <laughs> Judgment Day? Uh, now, normally, we all talk about what Captain Power sort of meant to us and everything in the past. Um, but we thought we'd kind of give you a little bit of backstory on the show first so you sort of understand what it is we're talking about. And then we'll kind of discuss, have a freeform discussion about our history with it, and then we'll move into the, the episodes in question um so really quick captain power and the soldiers of the future was a science was a sci-fi action television series that ran for 22 episodes in canadian and american syndication the show was created by gary goodard the director of masters of the universe movie and tony christopher and developed by mark scott zickery who uh, wrote some episodes of Star Trek TNG and uh, also Friday the 13th, the TV series, as well as a lot of cartoons that we watched back in the day. And J. Michael Straczynski as a head writer. Sorry, you sure it's not Goddard? Goddard? What did I say? Goddard? You said Goddard. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's pr probably pronounced Goddard. I think you're correct. It's G-O-D-D-A-R-D. Okay, I, I, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's the director of uh, Masters of the Universe Canons, Masters of the Universe live action show, a movie. And by the time this show was greenlit, that movie had not tanked yet. So he still had some clout. <laughs> <laughs> a Captain Power toy line was produced by Mattel. And during each episode, there were segments that included visual and audio material that interacted with the toys. The technology used flashing lights and various frequencies to simulate the screen shooting back at the kid and their Captain Power toys, usually the vehicles. Kids had to shoot the correct indicators on the screen and dodge the other ones unless the Captain Power toy ejected from the vehicle itself. The general plot of Captain Power, the storyline was set on Earth in the 22nd century following the Metal Wars, a cybernetic revolt that resulted in the subjugation of the human race by intelligent machines led by Lord Dr. Dredd. <laughs> I threw in the doctor. <laughs> Captain Jonathan Power and his small group of guerrilla fighters oppose the machine forces that dominate the Earth. Now, that's a very 
quick sort of synopsis of the show, but this is one of those shows where the intro lays it all out for you. So I'm going to insert that for our listeners right here. Power on. Captain Power and the soldiers of the future. Earth 2147. The legacy of the Metal Wars, when man fought machine and machines won. Biodreads, monstrous creations that hunt down human survivors and digitize them. Volcania, center of the Biodread Empire, stronghold and fortress of Lord Dread, feared ruler of this new order. But from the fires of the Metal Wars arose a new breed of warrior. Born and trained to bring down Lord Dread and his Biodread Empire. They were soldiers of the future. Mankind's last hope. Their leader, Captain Jonathan Pollard, master of the incredible power suits which transform each soldier into a one-man attack force. Major Matthew Hawk Masterson, fighter in the sky. Lieutenant Michael Tank Ellis, ground assault unit. Sergeant Robert Scout Baker, espionage and communications. And Corporal Jennifer Pilot Chase, tactical systems expert. Together they form the most powerful fighting force in Earth's history. Their creed to protect all life. Their promise to end Lord Dread's rule. Their name... Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. So unfortunately, bad time slots declining sales in the toys, and the fact that each episode cost about a million dollars apiece all contributed to the show not being renewed for a second season, even though scripts were written and like thing, like a Commodore 64 game was lined up and everything. So they were planning on pushing this forward, but it just didn't turn out that way. Um, before we get into our general discussion, Zach, would you like to walk us through the, the notable cast and crew on this thing? Yes, this phenomenal cast. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's start at the top with uh, Tim Dunnigan, who plays Captain Jonathan Powers. I would say he's one of the few actors in this. He's one of the few actors in this that does not have a huge resume. He's made guest appearances on 90210. But not much more, you know, like little things here and there. Nothing too notable. But of course, he plays Captain Jonathan Powers. Uh, would you say he has the 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 makings of a sweet mullet? Like he's got the beginnings of a mullet. He yes. actually, I think he was the original face on A Team, I believe. Oh, and really? Yeah, but he, for like the original pilot, um, but he got replaced. Wow. Well, that's that's. Fun I could have just oh, made that sure. completely up, but I just. That's like in the depths of my memory. I didn't actually look that up before we started recording. <laughs> well, he's got uh, he's listed in the credits as Templeton, uh-huh. and not not the rat from um, Charlotte's yeah. Web, uh, but but um, but yeah, he was on A Team for for a minute. So you know, yeah, he got replaced by. Let's just say he that's got replaced a... by Starbuck. So. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, wow, yeah, nice. you're right. I just looked it up. Yeah, he was the first uh, face man. Yeah. Well, first face man. <laughs> um, wow, that's that's pretty rad. Uh, playing Major Matthew, <clears throat> playing Major Matthew Hawk Masterson is Peter McNeil, or as I like to say, if you look at his IMDb photo, um, 
David Crosby's stunt double because <laughs> he looks just like David Crosby in his IMDb picture. This, I would say Peter McNeil is probably the most successful uh, of the entire cast. He's got the largest filmography at like 214 movies and television shows all all over the place from 80s, classic 80s movies to, I mean, he's working to this day on a show called Moonshine, which, um, you know, looks like a, it's, it's a comedy series and uh, probably set up in Canada. <laughs> I'm speculating, but, you know, he's a Canadian actor. He's been in a ton of um, uh, David Cronenberg films like Crash and History of Violence and all sorts of things. He's been all over the place. It literally, this this is a guy that like you would recognize. Oh, he's on the Good Witch. Oh, he's on uh, he's on uh, the Border. Oh, he's on the Secret. You know, you keep going and going. And then you get all, all the way back to the '80s in movies like well, he was in My Secret Identity. He was in uh, War of the Worlds, and just and of course Captain Power. This is probably his biggest role to date, though. Oh, it's absolutely um, his biggest role. And you can tell, especially in the finale, he he does a lot of uh, uh, emotional work um, in the finale. So you can tell his chops were a bit stronger than maybe, say, Sven Ole Thornson. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though. Sven Ole Thornson is, uh, who also, a.k.a. Lieutenant Michael Tank Ellis, has got a pretty large filmography as well, <laughs> over 100 shows and movies he's been in aka lafours from all rats he has two confirmed kills how many times i said lafours watching this just because you always said it whenever we were watching anything gladiator you're like lafours he'll always be lafours to me i'd say he did a pretty darn good job though considering he's you know known for mostly his stunt work and uh you know, big, big, heavy bad guy roles. He gets a lot of screen um, time in this. I mean, he's one of the main characters in every episode. Yeah. He's, he's featured just the same as anybody else. He's in every single one, all 22. Um, another actor who has a pretty substantial filmography is Maurice Dean Wint, who plays Sergeant Robert Scout Baker. Uh, I recognized him originally from the movie Cube. Oh, yeah. The indie film. Mm-hmm. Um if you've never seen Cube, it's it's worth watching. He's uh, I'm like, why does this guy look so familiar to me? And then when I'm watching Captain Powers, Captain Powers, <laughs> Captain Power, and I'm like, oh, that's the dude from the Cube. Nice. Yeah, that's a good movie. That's a really good fucking movie. I haven't seen it since the 90s, but I loved it back in the day. Yeah, y'all should watch that. Uh, Jessica Steen plays Corporal Jennifer Pilot <laughs> Chase. And... Look at Corey's face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh man, you know, loved her. <laughs> yeah, I bet you she's did. Cheesing right now. <laughs> bet you did. I mean, she's another one who's had a notable career. Uh, she's still working to this day, and she's been on everything from Grey's Anatomy to Stargate SG One. Better than the movie. Yes, we were um, just talking about that, Zach. Yeah, we sure were. Would you agree, Diallo, that Stargate SG One is better than the movie? No comment. <laughs> would you agree that it's better than armageddon i'm kidding um but she was in armageddon yeah though. she, she was, was in armageddon, armageddon. Yeah. she was in herman's head i mean she's been in she's been in a lot of things um in armageddon I'm which just, is that a diablo was she one of the ones that like piloted but then yeah, the, the ship was, got exploded she was or the pilot yeah she actually i think she's she made it through the whole thing i think um i think okay. her name was jennifer pilot 
also in in that movie, I believe. Yeah, you're right. Her name was Jennifer in yeah. it, and she was the actually. Pilot. Yeah. So yeah, I I saw that uh, Michael Bay actually cast her because he was a fan of Captain Power. Oh, that's cool. Are you being serious? I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, One of the in, in some of my research, I remember coming across that. It was the guy that I told you that couldn't pronounce Michael Stray- J. Straczynski's name right. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> David Hemblin plays, of course, Lord Dread, and he is known for, well, he was in the Rollerball remake that came out in 2002. Oh, uh, never saw that, but I love the James Caan version, original movie, Rollerball. Maybe that's why I didn't see the Rollerball remake. I'm like, why are they remaking Rollerball? Just remake Solar Babies. He was also at Earth Final Conflict, which we discussed yes. way back in the day. Yeah, he was Jonathan Doors. Right. And uh, if you've never seen Brain Scan, Brain Scan is a pretty decent horror science fiction horror science fiction movie with edward furlong and frank langella um i kind of like that movie did you ever see brain scan no huh? i know exactly what you're talking about and i can see the the antagonist the creature whatever the hell it is in my head it's kind of good okay all right it's kind of good it came out during that techno phase of like lawnmower man and um yeah i always oh gosh like and they came out the same time as like strange days came out and stuff like that and yeah, and there was the there was another movie that came out with um, uh, what's her face from Raiders of the Lost Ark and um, Karen Allen. Oh, okay. Uh, um, like similar to not similar to Brain Scan, but it's just like that techno neo like neo horror. Yeah. I guess you could say mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. So, anyways, David Hemblin. I don't know. Well, I'm going to go over some of the voices because they were featured in so many of the episodes. Derek Hazel with no IMD photo. Damn it. Uh, He is the voice of Sauron and Sauron. And uh, I mean, he's actually been in well, 12 things. He was in Top Cops. Diallo, do you remember Top Cops? No. Wasn't that the musical? The musical. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Top Cops. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So there you go. And he uh, played no, Mr. That Romero. Wasn't, that wasn't. That was. Um. That was a different. Trying to exactly what you're talking about. Uh. But this is. That was not the musical cop show. Um, that, oh. Oh. Cop Rock. Cop, cop Rock. rock. That's yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Well, what the hell is Top Cops? Because uh, maybe we need to do that show. <laughs> I can tell you. IMDb. According to IMDb, Top Cops is uh, police officers throughout North America narrate dramatizations of interesting adventures that have happened to them on the job oh that sounds not fun to break down and discuss no okay, never mind no <laughs> so it sounds like it's almost like a proto cops show like you know yes yeah. for sure uh, oh fine fine ted dylan plays overmind um and ted dylan has been in uh well you know he's had a pretty decent career as well um He's been in over 109 movies and TV shows, so that's a that's a damn good run for an actor. Oh yeah, Blastar, played by played by John S. Davies. Uh, you know, again, a voice actor, not a huge career, uh, but still, nevertheless, I enjoy listening to Blastar's voice. And Bruce Gray, who who plays mentor slash Doctor Stewart Power. Uh, actually he's, he's pretty, he was in Starship Troopers. 
he was in Cube Part 2, and he's been in over 180 movies and television shows. Oh, he was Sky. He was the Sky Marshal in Starship Troopers. Yeah, I know who he yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. We'll, we'll get to uh, other actors uh, in the cast that were in the episodes that we discussed. Uh, and, and if we don't, you know, if you go into IMDb and look at the casting list, there are there are going to be some people in there that you'll recognize and a whole lot that you won't. Yeah. And just real quick, some notable writers um, that, that worked on the show. J. Michael Straczynski, uh, Diallo, please inform people as to why this particular writer matters to this show. Um, he... I mean, he is what made the show have the depth that it had. Um, he went on to write um, uh, basically almost every episode, I think, or something of uh, uh, Babylon 5. Um, that's what I think most people might know him from. He wrote a ton of really great comic book series. He wrote uh, Rising Stars, which is uh, just a, a dear to my heart Um series um he did uh he had a really to me incredible run on spider-man it's actually highly controversial run but he um he's the one that kind of made uh peter parker's identity open to aunt may um there's yeah and towards the end of his run it wasn't too great but he did a really a, a really good job so he's been writing comic books and stuff for years i think actually again in my research i found out um the show was going to be going to mark zickery and he ended up being too busy to work on the show a lot so then he hired some guy named michael j straczynski and mark zickery is is notable because he worked on a lot of cartoons that we watched back in the day, too, and have covered on TV Obscura, like Galaxy High, uh, we covered that. Uh, Bionic 6, we covered that. Centurions, uh, which, of course, has a very strong tie to this um, thematically. He worked on Pole Position. He worked on the Mighty Orbots. So the pedigree and the writing on, on this show is fantastic. And, of course, J. Michael Straczynski also worked on the real Ghostbusters, and so did Mark Zickery as well. Um, so they probably kind of worked together there. And like I said, he also worked on the Friday 13th, the TV series, which I think we will be bringing that to TV Obscura one day, uh, you know, probably one oh, October. Uh, we have, we to. have to. Yeah, for yeah, sure. that's got to we yeah. got to pair that up with yeah. the Freddy, Freddy Krueger yeah. nightmares. Yeah, yeah. Freddy's nightmares. Yep. Yeah. And of course, Jason's bedtime fantasy <laughs> What's to say? What? Yeah. <laughs> Um, for kids, for kids. I, I also really want to point out, really quickly, just point out in the cast that uh, Graham Greene and Laurie Holden were, Laurie Holden from, uh, well, I mean, she's she's on The Boys now, but I think a lot of people might recognize her from The Walking Dead at one point. But Graham Greene, of course, uh, you know, huge, yeah. amazing actor. And and David James Elliott, who played Jag, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they, those those three were a few notable guest stars quote-unquote i'm just still getting over the fact that uh hawk looks like david crosby <laughs> in his imdb photo he really does it's and really weird to me and and kind of cool rest uh, in peace to david crosby yeah big rips to there david crosby the, the smoking um, man too right oh, well yeah sorry. we're gonna get to yeah, him we'll get, we'll to get, him get to him when we cover judgment so 
let's uh, let's have our discussion about what this show meant to us growing up and and it, what our experience w- it was with it. Uh, Zach, you you kick us off, and then Diallo, you go second, and then I'll round it out. I mean, this show was everything to me when I was a kid. I I, I was obviously a huge toy fanatic. And uh, the action figures, I remember not being that expensive. The vehicles was another story. They had jets and they had power up stations and they did have a uh, an actual fort or like a command center base uh, that I never saw in the wild. But I have seen it on there's a fun um, Facebook Captain Power group that that. Actually, the actors are a part of as well. Some of the, uh, I think Captain Power himself, Tim Dunnigan, is is on there too. Um, and they people will show some of the toys that they've collected over the years, and one of those being the base. The, I never had the weapons. The weapons looked really cool too, but I had all the figures. I had all the figures, and I love the fact that they actually made a female figure um uh as you know the pilot my only complaint was that two things well my only two complaints were one the helmets didn't cover their faces like they did in the show and two uh i would have liked to have removable helmets so like you you see all these generic looking faces on all the figures if they made them now they would look a lot more detailed i'm sure and way back when it was it was pretty decent for what for what we had back in the day but um the toys were rad and i love that it was interactive i loved photon obviously uh and captain power was like a nice compliment to that with like interacting with the tv shooting at the tv i thought that was so cool and i remember the stories of like captain power being too violent for kids and like what do you mean i mean it's not any more violent than gi joe and transformers what because i can shoot the tv i'm gonna you know it's a threat suddenly but I loved it. I love the show. I didn't watch every episode because like we've talked about on this show before, if you missed a week or you missed a day, you're screwed. You're like, well, I'm never seeing that episode ever. Um, but I love the show and to this day. So when you guys proposed doing it, I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. I, I love love me some Captain Power. Power on. Diallo, what's your experience with the, the show before uh, this? So I have to say, I remember it. I used to watch it um i don't it's it's so funny watching all these episodes i don't even really remember watching like watching it every weekend um i don't know what i was doing or why i didn't watch it every weekend or if i watched them all and just forgot about everything um but again i was in high school at the time so i was like a little you know i was at that age where i was like you know at least from the outside world, I was too old to be watching, you know, that that kind of stuff. But I still watch it anyway. But my brother is much younger than me. And he, for Christmas, I remember he got the Captain Power ship. And so I remember, you know, playing playing with it, with the, with the TV show um, for a little bit. And it was actually pretty terrible. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't a very good, uh, system. I thought like the ship and everything looked cool, but just the way it interacted with the TV was a little, a little haphazard. So I don't know that I, you know, engage with it, with the, with the gun ship that they had for much longer, but I did watch it. And then, you know, I remember, I remember, the only thing I remembered when I was watching this was the finale, and um, that I will we'll talk about it. Um, but I just, I just remember 
kind of being confused because <laughs> you're you don't because the way episodes come out they they bounce all around so you kind of don't know what's going on but I kind of I mean I knew that was like the end of that season or whatever but just what happened was just so like shocking and I was like is this real life oh my god you know and then it went away um never watched it again um till till now so until you watched the entire, the entire thing, thing. <laughs> I mean I, I wanted to watch the entire thing just because like it 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 has such prominence in my mind about a time in my life, but I just don't, I didn't really remember it. But I do remember it kind of like doing things with storytelling and at that time that wasn't being done anywhere, like, you know, the finale. Um, and with my older brain, I really wanted to kind of go in and actually see the kind of things that they did. And it was, I mean, it's pretty fascinating um, how it evolved over time. So, yeah. And since you did watch the entire series, um, we're going to look to you to interject any knowledge uh, in, our, in our discussion with the episodes, because that's when we're really going to dig into the nitty gritty of the show, talking about these three, technically four episodes, but, you know, the finale is a two-parter. Um, and then you have, Dial, I know you watched, uh, like, Scouts. You want to talk about, like, Scouts uh, sort of, you know, backstory and stuff like that. So we'll get into all of that when we start getting into, to, you know, the show itself. Um, my, I'm very similar to, I guess, both of you all. Uh, Zach in the fact that I had all the toys. Um, I actually had the, 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 the jet thing, Captain Power's jet thing. Um, I did not have Lord Dredd's uh, cannon, whatever that was, that... Yeah, I, was, I, I never liked it. I didn't really care for it. But I had the jet, and it came with a VHS, um, like an animated story, completely animated. And the animation, if I remember correctly, was fantastic. Like it was, I think it was Japanese animation or, you know, one of those studios. But the animation was really good. I remember playing with it. Diallo, like you, I was never terribly impressed with the, the technology of the laser and stuff. And I, I watched the show, but even though I had the, the toys, I didn't, like, sort of engage the show in that regard. Um, I didn't kind of, like, play the toys while I watched the show. I just watched the show, which is funny because that's not how they sort of intended it. Um, but also, like you, Diallo, the finale is burned into my memory, and as a kid, I remember talking about it, being like, did this happen? Did you guys see this? And because the show, I think, aired on, like, you know, 8 a.m. on Sundays, famously, this around the same time slot later that, like, you know, Starship Troopers, the Roughneck Chronicles cartoon wouldn't have it. Um, it's just that death, that death time slot, early morning on a Sunday. Like, if I... For me, that time slot's always for Hanna-Barbera. I've always watched <laughs> Hanna-Barbera on a su Sunday morning, never anything else. But And Davy and Goliath. Yeah. But it just, it became stuff of legends. But I did watch a lot, although, you know, when we get into our episode discussions, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Like, I didn't know Pilot's backstory. I didn't know, I didn't remember that, like, the, the bad guys also had, like, humans working with them and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, actually looking like sort of like Hitler SS youth type of thing and everything. I'm like, man, there's just, there's a lot happening in this show that was completely over my head as a kid. I'll say that for fucking sure. And I'll add into that as well. Yeah. The, the technology was not very thought out 
um, interactive wise, the the the, uh, the the kind of glowing chest plates that the villains had, or these like random little dots throughout that you could fire on in this in the credit sequence of the show at the end. Um, you know, it, it didn't translate very well to what they were doing. It was a cool concept on paper. I'm sure on paper, Mattel was like, this is a winner. Uh, side note, I watched this with Bodhi, and I also watched this with um, uh, a friend of ours who's a 16-year-old kid who actually loved the show, thought it was, he's like, this is better than some of the stuff that's on TV now, and thought the technology was, like, not bad. He's like, that's a really cool idea. It's too bad that it didn't work as well as, as, it, as they promised it would, you know. Um, the commercials sure did sell it really well, though. If you look at the old Captain Power commercials on, on YouTube, you're like, whoa, <laughs> this stuff is going to be amazing. And they were like, oh, he just shoots out of his cockpit. <laughs> Big deal. Now, I will say the the toys did interact without the show. So, like, you could actually, yes. yeah, fire at each other and have against each and, other. And yeah. that, I think, works better than having it, you know, against the show and everything. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I will say, too, the the figures, um, it was nice to have a, 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 a an assortment of figures that they released. And I guess they were continue. They're going to continue a second wave, but it all got thrown down the, you know, trash bin. Yeah. I, the, I really like my Lord Dread toy because he came with the soft goods um, cloth cape and everything yeah and uh it's just good detailing on his cybernetic arm also good motion like they weren't quite as many joints as gi joe but more joints than than the star wars three and three quarter figures and as far as the designs go like the captain power ship i still think it's a solid design i think it's a gorgeous looking like just vehicle i think it's i actually think and this is one of the few times that this actually translates translates this way I think the toy design looked better than the TV version of their flying vehicle. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I I think uh, Reaction should take note with the uh, playability of these figures, the joints. Just put a little little action in their elbows, a little action in their knees. That's all you got to (laughs) do. All you got to do, give us us something. Give us something. For 25 bucks, jeez. I know. Um, So, yeah, so guys and gals, Captain Power kind of of as as a property, branches off in two directions. I mean, they, they combine, but it branches off into the toy line and branches off into the, the TV show. And we will kind of, at this point, just pretty much talk exclusively about the TV show and, and the merits on its own and everything like that. Um, but just know you can go out there and check out the toys and everything. They're really fucking cool looking and uh, I think uh, really sold the show. Um, but clearly not well enough to have it hit a second season. Um, but Diallo, are you ready to kick it off with the pilot episode? Uh, it's called Shattered, and uh, I know you said that there might not be a lot to talk about here, but I have a lot to say about this episode. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so kick it off, baby. Yeah. So it's uh, the name of the episode is called Shattered. Uh, the description is, and there's, it's, I think it's technically a little bit wrong, but I'll read it. Um, Captain Power receives a trans because I'm an expert now. See, after watching, yeah, you well, are. No, be- you are. No, after watching, I, really quick, Diallo. Bef- yeah. Before you read this, Diallo, I'm back you up 100. IMDb sucks with their with their uh, descriptions of shows. They really do. Yeah. yeah. 
So please, because <laughs> I'll, I'll have the same to say about mine as well. Uh, okay, and real quick, y'all, sorry, I'll yeah. cut in right now. Guys and gals, I caused this to happen. I made the mandate uh, to read the IMDb description before and then elaborate as you see fit. So guys and gals, Please blame me, Corey, for the IMDb description readings. No, blame IMDb. Diallo, it's all yours, my I friend. I just have a, mine is just like tiny nitpick, but it was, I'll read it. <laughs> Captain Power receives a transmission from Athena, an old flame from before the invasion. Entering the ruins of San Francisco to meet her, he finds the reunion less than friendly. So my only thing, my only thing is that... It's she's not from before the invasion because they the invasion happened long before they would have even like had met like the this right the yeah armor right. wars happened before like you know yeah so Diallo by the way props for calling it the armor yeah, wars yeah I, I slipped but, yeah yeah no, no, <laughs> that was. That, that was my era of reading Iron Man back then. That yeah. was uh, late eighties, early nineties. The Armor Wars. Yeah, good, good was, one, buddy. That was a classic. But yeah, anyways, that was my. I was just. It was a tiny nitpick, but I was like, I was like, oh, you guys, that's not because I'm an expert now, and so I know <laughs> everything about. I'm to be sucks. So. Um, but yeah, so it it opens up with uh, with uh, what's his name Scout, and this is probably the most action he gets the entire series actually the most action yeah. mm-hmm. um the only other time he gets anything close to action is when there's another black actress on and he gets kind of interested <laughs> and paired with her but he's uh kind of breaking into this uh uh this base um he's got like uh like a camouflage technology so he makes himself look like one of the dread robots what are they called dread drones Anyways, uh, bio bio drone. No, oh yeah, no. The the big ones are the bio drones or something like that. I think they're just yeah. like grunts, yeah. like robots or whatever. Yeah. So he he disguises himself as one, sneaks into this base, starts planning charges, but then he gets locked inside, and then um, Captain Power and the and the and the crew are on the outside, and they just need to like break open the door so he can escape, and it's very like. Uh, it's just basically set up to show you that this is a show that you can use your um, spaceship to shoot all the things on the screen because it's like a, just a big fight scene. Um, and Scout escapes and it's very dramatic. There's an explosion. Then they head back to their base and then they receive a call or get, there's a communique that, um, that they intercept. Scout intercepts from an Athena and there's an element of like um, I think I, I don't remember if it was this part or a bit later, but um, there's an element of chess to it. Yeah, and um, little things that I didn't really, I didn't notice this when I when I watched the first episode. Then I watched the whole series. Then I actually went back to watch this one again, um, the prep, and I noticed that they started setting up Captain Power and Pilot's little star cross lover thing in this episode um is like super subtle yep. um but he starts telling them about this person athena and apparently it was like a she used to work with his father and he kind of alluded to there being some kind of romantic involvement he didn't really go into it and you know pilots like what's going on with that you know um how close were you yeah so they fly he, he and pilot fly to this person's and they find a beacon or whatever 
in San Francisco. They fly out there to this little bookstore that they used to go to. Um, almost immediately, she shoots Captain Power. <laughs> Pilot's kind of Pilot. They him him and Pilot had split up. She Pilot hears a noise and she gets like knocked out by some gas. Um, anyways, it turns out that. This Athena person had actually been digitized by uh, Sauron. And that kept trying to keep that name straight in my head because it was like Sauron from the comics or Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Sor like Sor dash Sauron. Sauron. And wasn't that the the pterodactyl looking (laughs) mofo from from Marvel? Yeah, from Marvel. Yeah, from comics. Yeah. So I get every time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah he was from the Savage Land. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh. He, he had like he was a humanoid, but he had like a pterodactyl head, and he could mm-hmm. fly. Yeah, I never cared much for him, but uh, yeah, his he name was Sauron right. too. I think yeah. I think this guy's a, a robotic homage to that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, it, it turns out that she had been digitized by, um, by the by Sauron, <laughs> and she was released so that she could. Uh, bring in Captain Power and apparently when you're inside the robot realm like she goes into it and it's like it's like torture um, all of her memories are exposed everything she believes in and cares for so she comes out and she's kind of like you know I don't want to go back so she it's kind of I think she was going to like kill him instead of let him get captured yeah. um, and then Sauron appears before she could do that and then um pilot had called the rest of the crew um, and let them know it was a trap so they pop in right before everything goes crazy there's another big fight so that you shoot your guns um, <laughs> uh, they destroy or they like knock out Sauron or whatever they escape and then they go back to the base um, and pilot's kind of lingering around because she still wants to like you know know what's up with these two people um yeah and then they hey, end up yeah, they end up playing chess at the end and that, that was it um so that yeah the it, it was really just kind of like i mean it was very basic and simple and it was just kind of i think just to kind of set up the general like we're going to have these standalone stories but the everything is framed to have fight sequences so you could play with your toys and that they pretty much did that but the uh sort of like the depth of character and drama that they had in this was um like out of the gate was a sign of things to come for the rest of the show yeah yeah they do a lot in 22 minutes in this episode like you said diallo the first 10 minutes are like them attacking that base uh, some things I've no- I noted. One had some pretty good matte paintings, or either or just good miniature photography. Um, I know that volcano place is a miniature, but it looked to me like the the first place, the base they went to, there was a shot that looked like a matte painting. I was like, it looked pretty damn good. Um, also, I noted that it, there was a decent amount of bad guy soldiers on the screen at the same time, and it actually looks like it gets upped later in the series. So. They had to have multiple suits designed and, and everything like that. Um, and then, like, the second half is the epi- is the part with Athena. And they pack in so much emotion with her. Uh, unfortunately, she's not credited on IMDb, so I don't know who, who she is. But she's acting at an 11, uh, you know, and which I find to be, I think, is okay for this. Because I know this is kind of a kid's show. 
Um, even though it's a kid's show that really does not talk down to kids whatsoever, and I think it actually uh, does a good job respecting the kids, you know, being able to handle shit. But the fact that, I mean, they're in 15 minutes, they're dealing with Athena telling her story, her horrific story about being digitized. And you're like, oh my God, that sounds horrible. And then you can see the trauma on her. You know, just like her face and how she's acting. And then the fact that she wants to kill Captain Power, even though her, her, you know, she was tasked with bringing him in, but she wants to kill him so he doesn't have to fucking suffer the same thing she did. I'm like, this is some heavy shit. And then, you know, you kind of expect her to probably die at the end of the episode, but she doesn't. They they bring her back to the base and everything, although she doesn't really sort of go past this episode, although Diallo could probably... Uh, uh... No, this is the last time I think we see her, yeah. Okay. So that's kind of cool. So like you said, Diallo, I think this episode does a good job of setting up the fact that it's going to be it's going to be heavy um, and things are going to come at you that you might not expect. But also there's a lot of fun action in it. And also everything is going to be a set, whether we're outside or not. Everything's a set. And I personally kind of love that. So this was a fun episode for me. Uh, Zach, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think uh, Athena's trauma is forever immortalized in the intro to the show. So she'll have that going for her, moving forward. Yeah, so, so real quick, guys and gals, um, it seems to me the digitization it isn't for everybody. Like, they'll kill most people, but then some people they'll actually digitize, and that kind of, you know, it brings them into it, a la Tron, like into the robotic, you know, yeah. person. So, yes, and Zach, you are correct. In the intro, you see her getting digitized, and it's one of the more intense ones because she's like screaming and shit yeah it's pretty pretty violent um is the bookstore i think the bookstore is called city i think the bookstore is called city lights and that's a real bookstore up in san francisco i think it's actually still around which is pretty cool so um so right there i was like oh that's cool real places real locations i love that yeah that based on i know Corey said that the budget was pretty high for this show um, I mean, I could see why, but at the same time too, I felt like I, I was watching, you know, Doctor Who, Blake Seven inspired science fiction where you were like, you know, reusing sets throughout this thing and reusing, uh, uh, costumes and stages and whatnot that I'm totally fine with that. I thought it looked great. Thought thought it looked really cool. I thought the, um, the opening where Scout is going in and taking out all the drone, like kind of grunt grunt robots, it reminded me of uh, Aliens uh, a little bit of like going into you know the 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 base in Aliens, like a like oh this is what would happen if they turned all the lights on in the base and, and it was kind of like the the cheaper set version of it. Um, I thought he, I thought it was a cool setup. You know the intro to the show is literally the the uh the pilot for every it's it's the pilot basically you know just sets you up for everything you're going to see moving forward so even if you watch this ep this show at episode 10 you'd still know what, what was going on um yeah i thought everything was really good i thought the, the drama was way more sophisticated for kids like knowing that this was geared towards kids was just from the get-go like yeah no i think they missed the mark in the fact that this is probably market this Probably would be better suited for kids like 10 and up, I think, not for like six and seven year olds who just want to shoot at the TV. And, and I don't think the plot, I think the plot would go way, way over their heads. 
Um, I love it now, though. And I think you're actually hitting the nail on the head, too. Um, Diallo, in your your uh, research, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this show was developed first, and then Mattel sort of kind of had this idea for the technology there, and it kind of was sort of serendipitous that they kind of were merged together. But the show, I think, itself was developed for an older, but still kids, but an older kid audience originally. Uh, yeah, it, sound, it seemed like it was kind of like um, in conjunction with. I, I did read or see that uh, Goddard, um, he, did he direct Masters of the Universe? Did we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, and so I think when I watched it, it said that he had developed a relationship with Mattel. And at the time, He-Man sales were going down, and um, they—I think he just wanted to like have a have a new line of toys. And um, Mattel—they already had like He-Man, um, and there was something else. He wanted to do something in the future, and so that's kind of how it all came about. And um, they were already developing that the light technology, uh, the TV light technology, and then they were like, "Let's use that here." Essentially, yeah, I don't really know about that part. I don't know if you're, I don't know about that part specifically, but um, I do know one one real quick thing is uh, about the sets, though, um, because they all look the same. Um, I did see that it was a, they built a huge warehouse um, to shoot a lot of the show, so that's why a lot of the oh, sets cool. um, look the same sometimes um they all have that same kind of feel yeah they also built like a lot of vehicles too that you see in the show that are clearly just made for the show like yeah. in the episode we're gonna talk about next there's like this weird tank thing and they get it's i right. mean i can see why the budget was a million a piece for these episodes yeah yeah it makes sense and you gotta again hats off to the fact that they're like i'm still blown away that there's a technology that's well, I guess it's reading the signal off of your the light or whatever. I just think that's kind of cool. It's on paper again. It's cool on paper. Yeah. <laughs> Execution wise, not so good. Yeah, and guys and gals, if you've never ever seen this, just know that the like say the enemies, the bad guys, are all wearing these chest plates that kind of remind me of Zach that toy line um, with Vision Visionaries. Thank you. Knights of the Magical Light. Ba -da -bum -ba -da -bum. Ba -da -ba -da yeah. So Visionaries. Magical powers take flight. So they have like a chest area that is like flick. I mean, it's, it gives you epileptic seizure. It's like flickering, you know. So I, it was giving me uh, convulsions. I, I know it's kind of wrong. I'm not, I'm not joking. I was like, why? My eyes feel weird watching this right now. So I've had this DVD box set for years, um, and I was gonna. I, I always kind of pop in a new show to sort of fall asleep to. One night I tried falling asleep to this and I just woke up with the whole, you know, the whole room flickering <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, nope, no, nope. nope, can't do Captain Power. Nope. Um, but before we move on, guys, let's let's discuss the CGI in this show real quick, because I don't think we can, mm. you know, we can't let it pass. Um, for me personally, I think the set designs are great. I think the costume designs are superb. I love all the characters and I love all their designs. Um, and I don't think they look terribly cheap for a TV show. But what's really going to hold this show back from future audiences is the CGI that that the the bio dreads use, which are these two main uh, enforcers for Lord Dread, Sauron and Blastar, and it's pretty bad. Now I know the three of us were all cool with letting shit slide from this era and everything. We get it. I mean, it's pretty damn impressive that we have a fully 
realized CGI characters in 1987. That's pretty damn impressive. And Sauron has a lot of personality. Actually, Blastar does too. They do a Blastar, yeah. They go. They do a great job of giving these two characters uh, pretty pretty good personalities, but they look pretty bad. So just be aware of that going into it. Uh, Diallo, what what do you think? Uh, how how do you think they hold up now? I mean, I don't think it holds up now. But that, to me, they, again, I'm not the person to necessarily ask about that question because uh, again, the the review that I watched, the guy just went in on the special effects. But I just was kind of like, I mean, it was 1987. Like, I don't. Yeah. What do you want from me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. The end of story for me. Like I. So comparing that to now there's just no way you could tell like things were going to advance that far like at the time that was just mind-blowing like i mean like because I, I don't think the special effects from the last starfighter hold up but no yeah. no no i, I no no yeah. the, the cgi in that don't no. i i actually think they're no. pretty on par with this yeah the, yeah they yeah because because it i mean it was it's so rudimentary at the time and like yeah i think if you understand that that was like what we were like capable of you don't like necessarily hold that against it um but I, yeah everybody's different you know so um yeah. if anything i was impressed with the amount of screen time they gave sauron and blastar yeah there was some towards the end there was some stuff with blastar that was like as actually pretty like the way he was moving and stuff he was doing but yeah obviously obviously it was pretty rudimentary but you know whatever like even when i'm you know i'm doing Battlestar galactica and even when they did the um silent cylons on there at the time as 2004 2003 um i mean it was a little like it, it wasn't quite ready for prime time yeah, yeah yeah you know and that was what however many years later 20 20 yeah. years later so just uh, everybody, everybody stand down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you you hit you hit the nail on the head comparing it to uh, Last Starfighter because it, it is exactly the same. It just it looks like you're looking at two different things at times. Like you're looking at it was like in Doctor Who when they would shoot in video versus yeah. film, and you're like, whoa, it's a little jarring. Um, so technology wise, it was not there yet. I, I kind of like with the, the light technology with the toys. I appreciate the effort um, where I will give it credit is, is the interaction with the CGI, with the actors, the actors are really good. All of the actors act really well, with the exception of one sort of, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but I think the, the, the main core characters are all trained, very good actors. So they're interacting with these, you know, nothing there probably. And they're doing a pretty damn good job with these, these uh, you know, with the CGI. So, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not ready yet, but you know what? God bless him for trying. And I know we'll get the Bodhi rating uh, later, but what was Bodhi's take on the? Did the CGI bother him at all? Or that was the first thing he got, said was, "Oh God, the CGI is so bad." <laughs> I go, I said, "Yeah." I said, "But what do you think about the 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 sets?" He's like, "They're they're pretty cool." Like he he thought that was you know he, uh, he he's he's got a sophisticated palette i think i i respect his uh, opinion on things and he's like it's just so bad i'm like i know i know bud 
it is pretty bad. But this was 1987, and this is all new. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like when it comes to special effects, people have, I mean, they have the shortest memory, and, like, they just don't. I don't know. It's like they're in, they're entitled. Entitled isn't it the word, but they just I don't know. It's just kind of like. Well, I I will say like my pushback on on people who were like, oh, it's the first time they use CGI in Last Starfighter. Uh, to this day, and I think all three of us have had this discussion. They should have gone with practical mm-hmm. effects, and I've always been a practical yeah. effects guy, even when they did CG in the '90s, yeah. in the in 2000s, and because it's like, oh, we got to do this thing; it's so cool. And like, no, but you know, I, just give me the practical effects. I would have loved to seen if this was a practical suit, which would have been obviously harder to do. Um, I would have loved to seen what that looked like, you know. A, a physical Sauron would have looked badass, and Blastar, Blastar. Um, I mean, because because the drone, the drone robots look cool. Like they look like low rent Cybermen. I was totally cool with that. I was like, oh, these are like Cybermen that are getting bl- and so many blasts to the face. <laughs> yes. Like oh, yes. we could just blast <laughs> these robots in the <laughs> face because the they're robots. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, they have, you would think they would be shooting for the chest pieces because they're all glowing nope. and that's Headshots. and that's a worse shooting at no. It's fucking headshots left and right. It's wild. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we're I think the three of us are on the same page. I got no beef with the CGI and everything, but uh if it's your first time watching it, uh be and you're watching it based on this discussion, just a heads up. That's all. But be easy on yeah, it. Be easy you'll, on you'll have fun it. with it. Um Zach, you wanna t- take us into episode 14 Judgment. Yes, not to be confused with Judgment Night, (laughs) Judgment at Nuremberg. Judgment Day. Judgment Day. Yeah, so Judgment is is an interesting episode. It's probably one of the most revealing episodes of all. I will will read the IMDb synopsis. Again, I'm sorry. No, it's it's not that bad, (laughs) but I'm just like, (laughs) I I guess it. It gets the point. Power has been injured and Pilot goes in search of help in a nearby settlement. But a young villager recognizes her as part of the Dread Youth that torched his hometown and Pilot is put on trial. So yeah, that is basically the gist of it. Um, Sauron, so Pilot and, and Power are in a, like a light cycle kind of thing, light ship. And they're, they're battling Sauron in the sky. Um, the two not hit each well Sauron hits uh power ship it goes down it's like a light motorcycle think of um the ships that uh that He-Man and Tila yeah, would fly I think they in, call them in, in, sky in, cycles I think they were called sky yeah sky yeah. cycles like a sky sled right it looks like a sky sled actually um yeah they go down in like this desert basically power's leg is broken uh and ch- uh, chase slash pilot goes for help sauron uh goes down and blastar is is made to come in to clean up the mess basically and uh pilot stumbles upon this town this little canadian kid recognizes her and starts freaking out he's kind of like he's kind of annoying yeah not gonna lie. yeah he was the one thing that drew me away from this episode <laughs> yeah. where i'm like oh god they're giving this kid way too much screen time because his Uncle, his counterpart, uh, is way better as an actor. 
Anyways, um, she's put on trial because he's like convinced that she was the one that torched his town. Not just torched, but killed everyone in the town, basically. Slaughtered his family. The interesting thing about this episode is it features the cigarette smoking man from the X-Files, played by William B. Davis. William B. Davis, I think I think uh, everybody knows him as a cigarette smoking man. Well, he's a really talented actor, and it was nice to see him play, uh, you know, against type, so to speak. It was almost like seeing the tall man, Angus Scrim, outside of playing the tall man. I'm like, oh, you mean he can play more than just one character? Yeah. Like in Chopping um, Mall? Yeah, exactly. And you see uh, the cigarette smoking man's teeth for once. He smiles. Yeah. He has like full teeth smile. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Anyways, uh, Chase is put on trial for her crimes against Nuremberg, Germany. Uh, she's basically a Hitler youth. And she and it's all a lot of this is told in flashback. Uh, she joined the youth when she was young. She gives her whole backstory of why she left. Uh, I'm going to I don't want to spoil too much because I think everybody should watch this. It's a good episode. Um, Power is able to recover just enough to help kind of save Chase uh, and slash pilot and the town where they need it most because Blastar comes in to just wreak havoc on this town and blast everything. Uh, And that's the gist of the episode. It's really the backstory of revealing that pilot slash Chase was a dread youth. She was a villain at one point and and she has a, a very dramatic reveal of, of why she is no longer in the youth so that's the episode i thought it was really good um it's not a good gateway episode for a young person to watch <laughs> because uh but it's a great episode to kind of pick up on backstory it's nice to see a ba- i love backstory episodes i loved in he-man when you find out that Tila is Man at Arm's daughter, you know, through adoption, Sorceress's daughter, uh, purely, and shit like that. I love when you find out these backstories of these characters. You're like, oh, it just gives so much more depth. And she obviously, as we're going to find out in a little bit, is the main, uh, you know, she's like, she's the main focus of this show, really, if you think about it. The main true hero. I, I think so uh diallo what were your thoughts on this episode yeah no it was a good episode um kind of framed uh they actually touch a little bit on her past in a a few episodes before that um yeah uh, the episode's called gemini and counting um and i think she has to sneak into a base and she wears her old um hitler youth (laughs) uniform um yeah i mean that's what she confronts uh there's a um there's a young girl that's in the group that like is very angry. So it's kind of like, you know, this was me when I was back there. And that was the first time I realized that she had been a part of, um, you know, dreads, uh, dreads little party. He had, (laughs) he had going on over there and then they expand upon it. Um, in the, in the episode you just covered, um, so and they talk about it a little interesting bit more, so little bit okay later. so they did call they did like touch upon it before yeah, it was really but this is more of like her crimes against you yeah know, humanity. they actually should like in this episode they actually showed what happened in that episode you saw that that's what she had been in the past um but we hmm. didn't really get any details we just kind of knew she escaped you kind of filled in the blanks and then they actually fill in more for you later 
So they they did a good job of uh, giving um, everybody ha- at some point had backstory. Um, hers was probably the most fleshed out, though. Hers and Captain Powers. And I like the reveal of uh, another character, like his the other character's responsibility uh or in in the torching of this town Mm -hmm. like how they came how dread and his army came upon this town to begin Mm -hmm. with that reveal at the end was pretty cool we're like whoa okay there's more to the story yeah they that's one of the cool things about the show is like again it's like there was always like this little character twist or something at the end that always was just it made it a little bit different than what you thought it was going to be even in the episode that i discussed it was like she turns on athena turns on captain power but like she does it because of a different reason that it looks like on the surface and um yeah yeah, so it's not as just like it's not just kind of like a straightforward thing that you would that you would expect from a quote-unquote kid show I was watching this episode, and I didn't watch every episode like Diablo did, so I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that there was this dread youth thing. Um, in fact, I didn't even remember that w- that there were human enemy soldiers. I only remembered the robotic enemy soldiers. I didn't even realize that there were any humans in my head. Like, if you asked me yesterday, I would have been like, you know, I, I, think, I think Lord Dread's the only human there you know but no that's not the case and i actually found that to be very interesting um so a couple of thoughts i thought this episode was very cool same reason both you all do um i like backstory episodes i like knowing more about the characters um especially since pilot is probably one of the more interesting characters on the entire show uh death count on this episode was crazy high totally i was like <laughs> holy shit um i liked how blastar and sauron uh, kind of like butt heads and have their own personalities and kind of seem to yeah. be sort of sentient on their own. Um, but my biggest takeaway, as and Zach, I know you didn't want to spoil it, but I have to to sort of make my point. So at her tribunal, at uh, at at Pilot's tribunal for crimes against Sandtown, <laughs> the the unfortunately named Sandtown. Um, basically, she tells her story about how. You know, she grew up in the Dread Youth, um, which, and she was kind of brainwashed. She didn't know any other way and everything. And in fact, this was her first, like, sort of engagement where they had to perform this atrocity. And she was like, and it, and it shook her. And she was like, oh, like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. And, you know, so like, so like that was kind of like a, a turning point for her to kind of move against you know, um, the Dread Army and everything. So I'm like, huh, that um, that origin story sounds pretty fucking familiar to me. Sounds to me like Finn's origin story in The Force Awakens. So I was like, let me uh, let me just confirm this. So I literally, oh, yeah. I told Myra, I didn't set it up. I didn't prep it. I didn't say shit. Wow. I just told her Pilot's origin story. And she looked at me, she goes, so Finn. And I was like, thank you. Exactly. J.J. Abrams ripped the fuck <laughs> off totally of Pilot's <laughs> origin story. Yeah, Sandtown, uh, flame torched everything. Yep. And then she was shook. It was her first engagement. She was brainwashed. Dude. I was like, Dude. holy 
fucking shit. And that's when I texted you guys. I was like, this show's too deep. This show's deeper than it has any right to be, you know? So <laughs> I was like, oh my fucking God. So yeah, yeah, Pilot. Pilot is the inspiration, I believe, for Finn from The Force Awakens. Well, that 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 sequence of what happens in that in The Force Awakens exactly is the totally same. Totally, what happened? It's exactly the same. Exactly the fucking same. I was like, yep, wow, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Wait, so, what, sequence uh, of, wow. what sequence of Force Awakens? The opening that? sequence, just Finn, like Finn not wanting to shoot on everybody, and then the fact that like you know the fact that he was a conscript. She was. She seemed to be possibly like some kind of a conscript type of thing where she's brainwashed from youth finn was brainwashed from youth to be a stormtrooper her first engagement was this his first engagement was the beginning of the force awakens mm -hmm. she saw they torched the sand town and shot everybody mm -hmm. she didn't like that it made her it shook her to her core it shook finn to his core when he saw everyone get executed at the beginning of force awakens it literally is the exact same origin story. Man, if we only yeah. got like what happened to Pilot to Finn, it would have been a better. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Well, it probably should. Maybe that was the original idea, but then. Yeah, well, we have to have franchise. No, right? we can't. No, the original idea was to make Finn a, a Jedi, and that yeah. didn't fucking work out because they kowtowed to uh, China. So, fuck oh, Disney. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So, otherwise, though. This was. I thought this was a great episode. It what Zach you said it pro, uh, correctly. It's not a good one to show someone for the first time, but it's a perfect episode in the middle to sort of give sort of a character development in everything. Yeah, I mean, every season has that one episode that kind of drifts a little bit. And I don't. I obviously didn't watch the entire season uh, like you did, Diallo. But this feels like this one drifts a little bit from like the the typical routine of the show. But in a good way, you know, obviously it's building, building something that builds more, uh, develop more depth to a character that we're going to, well, Corey, you'll tee it up. Well, I, I just real quick, I, I think, um, you know, this, it's sort of like the first half of the series kind of was that standard kind of what I talked about in my episode. It just were like these standalone deals. But right around the middle of it, it started to get a little bit, started to dig a little deeper and get a little bit more creative. There were some episodes that dealt with backstories. There was a, there was a, um, Hawk had an old comrade from back in the day that appears, and then, uh, or at least her name appears in another, a later episode. Um, but the episode right after what you did, Zach, the very next episode was a two-parter that was all about Captain Power's origins and like the origins of the suits and all that other stuff and like how the base, oh, how cool. the base got there. Um, and it was like, it was like, maybe like 85% flashback. Um, but again, framed in this really kind of almost beautiful story on the, in the present. So it was actually, again, done really well, but yeah, it started to, cool. it started to kind of get into a, a little different mode around that in that back half of the show. Um, and Diallo, before I jump into the finale, do you want to talk about the scout origin episodes and anything else episode-wise in between, you know, before the finale and everything that you want to bring up or discuss? Well, I, you know, the, it wasn't like an or it, there wasn't an origin episode for Scout. I just noticed, I didn't want to get all racial, but I noticed how just 
casually watching how much it was like, oh, so, okay, I found out a little bit about Tank. I found out a little bit about Hawk. I'm finding out about Pilot. And then I found out about uh, Captain Power. But I was like, yeah, Scout just, he was like, mostly in the background for most of the show and i just was kind of wondering like like what was his deal and because he's the only person of color in the entire show i was kind of like what's going on um and then finally in the finale there's a again it was really heartfelt and he got about as much at least to talk about as tank did even though that episode was more around tanks um past but at least he gave a story about himself and his mother and why he doesn't like christmas trees it was really like a sad beautiful story that he told yeah um acted really well um so but yeah i just that's kind of what i i brought up and i and uh pilot also i feel like because you brought you i think you brought up a little bit earlier about when did she start wearing a helmet yeah, when did yeah. her when did her helmet change? Because she originally had like kind of goggles ish stuff, but then she had her ponytail. I liked her original head design better than than the helmet. Maybe it's just the helmet was kind of lame. I thought. When well, did they add that? I so it just kind of showed up. Like there was okay. no story or thing around oh. it. I do think my I, I I think it might be around Eden Road. It was like kind of towards the back half. It's like maybe five episodes ago that all of a sudden she just has the helmet. And I, again, I noticed just because, you know, I, when I'm watching stuff, I, I start to think like sociologically and all this other stuff. And so I'm looking at the, the, all the captain power soldiers and they're all have traditional, um, traditional armor, traditional helmets, but then she has like a ponytail. Right. And so yeah. I just, I thought, I felt like it was a little, um you know whatever whatever i don't know i don't i don't want to use i don't want to use the word sexist but it's kind of like it was in that realm and i kind of like noticed the same thing with with uh, scout just because he's the only person of color so it's almost like they're they're being put in this weird category because it's being created by people that don't look like them yeah so, um, and also you know to kind of go to the sexist not sexist thing um, you know, going back to Force Awakens, look at Captain Phasma, played by Gwendolyn Christie. Mm-hmm. Um, her chest armor doesn't have any breasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, uh, Captain Phasma doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. and that's a, a design aesthetic that we've kind of adopted, you know, recently. And I think it's appropriate because I don't think it's probably good armor to have chest, like, molded breasts. But Pilot, her armor also has, like, these molded breasts, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, quite large, in fact. Um, <laughs> but it's just, like, it's it's of the time, you know? And, and it, is it right? No. Is it practical? No. Should she be, wear, should she be wearing a helmet? Yes. Is the helmet design kind of crappy? Yeah, sadly, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, kind of generic. And I feel like they, they, to me, they fixed that. Because I, I actually kind of noticed it. A little earlier and i was like oh she's the only one that's not wearing a helmet and it seemed impractical to me actually um to if you're going into battle so she all of a sudden she just was wearing a helmet and uh, at least i felt like they were treating her like she was one of the soldiers um Mm -hmm. um so i mean that you know again those are all just like kind of like subtle 
production things that happen with creators because you just don't quite like you know like i i whenever i encounter black characters in comic books made in the 70s 80s and 90s they all you know they all tend to have like certain traits <laughs> that aren't because they're not made by actually black people so it's sort of yeah. like this is how i see this group and then that's how they made it. just like that episode scout didn't have any he barely had anything to do except for one episode there was like there was like a black woman in the episode and all of a sudden he was like hey <laughs> and the irony is like his power what he his infiltration where he can has this uh basically he can I guess project like this hologram projection over himself to look like anybody so he can look yeah. he can sneak in and everything. He's one of the most useful characters yeah. on the show. And so he, when he he does get a lot of action, uh, but but just not a lot of story, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think when um so I don't quote me on it, but I think whenever J. Michael Straczynski wrote episodes, he would tend to have a little bit more to do. And I know that, in that again, in that finale, it was almost like he came to life again because he hadn't really done anything. And all of a sudden he was like kind of front and center, not just with like um, that little bit of the backstory, but it just was a little bit more integral in, in like the plot and developments and stuff. So it's not to say like tank kind of was like in the background a lot too. So I'm not saying, you know, that it was like, wasn't equal, but it just like, he didn't, he didn't get any character development until the second to the last episode. That was the first time we found out anything about him. <laughs> and as much as I love LaFors, we have to admit Maurice Dean, Went is a better actor than Sven Ol Thornson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you I mean you're gonna go into it, but that um, story he tells about the Christmas tree is just—I mean—that's like tour de force acting. That's one of the things I like. I watching all of these episodes, man. I was just so impressed by how earnest everybody was. Like they weren't. They just they. They it's like they took everything seriously and there was no like tongue and cheekness about it and they all were like just like thespians <laughs> you know even like yeah, yeah. Uh, really David Himbley he was like sitting up there as a uh, Lord Dread and just like he had this you know this this British accent that was coming out he sounded like Baltar from the original Battlestar a lot of times he he sat up there like Baltar it looked like him but... oh yeah a lot of vibes of, of Baltar yeah. and I was I was very happy to see Lord Dread uh, up and about and moving a bit more yeah. in the finale than than at the beginning of the show um I do have to ask Diallo because since I didn't watch you know obviously the whole series you did um it seems so the finale before I get into it yeah it seems that Captain Power dealt a blow yes. to Lord Dread right before it. So can you? Oh yes. So can you tee up? Uh, I believe it's it's probably that that two parter that happens right before mm -hmm. the finale. Two part by uh the finale is called Retribution Part One and Two. Mm -hmm. Um, but the pen ultimate episodes, um, nineteen and twenty are cool are called New World Order Part One and Two. Mm -hmm. Um, Diallo, can you? Because it seems like stuff that happened in there happens. The ramifications are in here. Can you set up what happened in those two episodes kind of quickly? Yeah, watching, actually watching Retribution again, like knowing what was coming made it even more 
heart-wrenching to watch because the two episodes before those two parters were it was like a, a big win so basically they they had they found out information about this thing called project uh i'm gonna look up real quick uh project new order and it was like a sky platform it was like a digitizer that was in space that would be able to like digitize so they just launched this all-out offensive and like they got all the leaders of all the groups that they had met over the course of the show and there were some shenanigans that went along with it some like kind of traps were set but anyways pilot had to fly into the volcanium or whatever it was called um it's kind of like star wars actually a little it mirrors the in sequence of the show where she's like kind of you know um she has to fire a shot a proton torpedo right into the vents or something and she only had one chance to do it and she does it she lands in there they end up blowing up the whole base and it was just like it was like victorious it was like it was really satisfying to watch because like the whole show they they just were always struggling right so it was like it was like a yeah. big win and um they could have ended the show there actually um and then, you know, the next episode's called Retribution. So that the stuff that you're seeing in those episodes is because of that. So Okay. Because it was like like they destroyed their base and all that other stuff. So they're like, We're gonna we gotta get them back. And, okay. That's I mean, that's what I figured. That's sort of what it seemed to me that there was stuff happening prior. I just didn't have a chance to uh, watch the the episodes prior before recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. So that kind of tees up where the gang is in retribution parts one and two mm-hmm. so i'll actually just because i'm going to talk about them as a whole so i'll just read the two imdb descriptions back to back and then just kind of give you an overview uh in part one dread decides to put all his power into destroying power wow Dread decides to put all his power into destroying capital power uh, in his resistance group. Thanks to Blastar, he finds out Power's jump ship has teleportation capabilities, and Soron helps him to install a tracking device with which to locate Power's base. Uh, This one's also a little wonky. Good old IMDB. Uh, Part 2, Lord Dread is about to have his mind transferred into a new machine body. But first, he delivers his final strike against Captain Power. Blastar and his troops attack the jump ship and prevent it from entering a teleportation gate by breaching it themselves. The machine force the machine forces overrun the power base, manned only by Pilot, as Power and the others remain helpless on the outside. So, this is a Christmas episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, we should we can talk about this one again at Christmas time. Exactly. So, and it kind of starts with, you know, Captain Power clearly feeling a bit uneasy, but everyone else kind of feeling happy about the win that they just had. Um, it's Christmas. They're celebrating some things. We get this yeah, great moment by Scout kind of talking about how, you know, he tried to make a Christmas tree with his mom and, you know, she just kind of cried and he sort of didn't understand like the meaning behind it, but now he kind of gets it and everything. Uh, we get some nice dance stuff and everything. And we kind of get the culmination of, you know, Captain Power and Pilot's sort of star-crossed, star-crossed you know, romance and everything. How there's never quite time for it, you know. Um, you know things are going to go bad when, when they get called out on a mission and, and Pilot's like, I have something I want to tell you. 
Captain Prime's like, well, we can't talk about it now. And she's like, okay, we'll talk about it when I get back, you know, type of thing. You're like, okay. Okay, okay. here it goes. <laughs> um, so they, they have, like, a sort of a nothing mission. Um, and at the same time, Lord Dread, uh, he's kind of recovering from his attacks and everything, from the attacks from Captain Power. And he's setting up this new plan. Um, as Captain Power does this mission, they're getting ready to leave. Blastar's trying to follow them but he gets shot down i like how lord dredge was like taking over blastar's abilities and he's like you will rise and blastar's like it's like again i know you know the cgi is what it is but they put a lot of personality into sauron and blastar and these are 100 percent fully cgi characters and i think they do a damn good job for 1987 just giving them a you know just giving them personalities and everything um because of uh so blastar is able to sort of look up and he sees that captain power and his group they use a, a a jump tunnel type of thing it's almost like a wormhole that gets generated um so they can go to their hidden base that you know lord dread could never figure out where the fuck it was but now he's like oh shit they got a jump tunnel we can use this we can figure this out so he outfits sauron with a that device, you know, a MacGuffin to allow him to basically, and I love all this. I love, it. it's like frequencies of the, the teleportation and like, what is that frequency and stuff like that? Like, and this is, by the way, this, like Diallo said, this episode, these two episodes are written by J. Michael Straczynski. So it feels like there's a lot of thought involved and just like, just the thought of the, the teleportation tunnel itself and how uh, Lord Dread, you know, conceives of a way to, you know, follow them. He's like, okay, now that I know it, I can, he sends Sauron up to it. And then, you know, they, they call, they get Captain Power to come out on a, on another mission. And then while they're out there, they send Sauron sort of invisible up there to kind of damage the ship and everything. So make Captain Power and his team jump back to their base. But Sauron gets their code. And that's sort of how the episode ends. Cause like Lord Dread's like, I have it. I have the code, you know, next episode, they, uh, Captain Power and, and never, you know, and this team go out on another mission, and they get separated. There's no, they can't jump back. Their ship gets damaged. It goes down. Um, it's actually they meet up with this guy called Cipher and everything, but it's honestly, it's kind of, it doesn't matter as much. It's a trap. It's a trap by Lord Dread. That's really it's all that matters. Cipher was in some episodes. Uh previous and they got some information from him so the fact that he was it was a trap this time was like a oh no like he betrayed them so and he had a cool cyberpunk look to him and everything i i enjoyed his look and whatnot but honestly what it all culminates to is what we all care about the most captain power and his team sans pilot um get shot down so they can't go back Blastar and a small group of his soldiers go through the teleportation back to power base. Captain Power has to let Pilot know. She kind of already knows. Uh, he tells her to blow the base. She says, I want to make a backup of the, the mainframe computer that, you know, the character that they kind of talk to. I think it's Captain Power's dad. Like, it looks yeah. like Captain Power's yeah. dad. But it's their main kind of computer. Um she wants to make a backup and also grab some some suits, some, um, you know, backup suits as well. So, she sets the self-destruct sequence to, like, four minutes. Captain Power has a little bit of a battle on his end, you know, try to get back to her. They get back in the air. 
she the the self-destruct sequence gets stopped by Blastar. So the self-destruct sequence is over with. Say it's not going to explode. She sends the backup memory unit of the computer, Captain Power's dad. Um, she also sends the backup suits out on one of the sky jet car things, like remote flying. And Pilot stays behind and single-handedly kind of holds off the, the, the bad guys, Blastar and everything like that. She gets fucking nailed. She gets. She even says, like, her insides are fucked up. Like, she's dead. She knows she's going to die. Captain Power's calling her, like, we're almost there. We're going to get there. She's like, no, you're not going to make it. And she self-destructs Power Base, destroying it, presumably destroying Blastar, uh, but not thus not allowing Dread to Lord Dread to get any of the information and everything on them. Um, it's heroic. Uh, even just watching these small, these episodes, like, you know, with giant chunks in between, I can safely say that Pilot is one of the best characters on the show. I think she is the hero of the show. Um, and I think they did a good job of just not making her female, like, by the end of the show, I think they did a good job of just not making her female eye candy, but actually giving her like a lot of meat to work with and, and things to like actually do. And this finale was burned into my brain. I don't know when I watched it. I don't, you know, watching these episodes, I, I, I don't feel like I've actually seen a lot of Captain Power, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I remember this. I remember this. And more so, I remember talking to people about it, like Luke and whatnot, like at school. I'm like, Captain Power? Like fucking pilot died? Like what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like it was mind blowing. And... And if this is where the show ends, and this is where the show ends because there isn't more, even though a script for season two was pretty much, like scripts for season two were pretty much ready to go and it was going to deal with Captain Power's fallout of this like lost love and everything like that. And I think they were actually going to bring in a, a love interest mm -hmm. for, for Sven Thornson, of course not for <laughs> Scout, right? Um, bringing it for the old man. But this ending was unbelievable. Like even now I'm watching them, it's like, I. Like, she gets fucked up, but she's still the hero, and she fucks them back. I'm like, she's, Pilot's my favorite character on the whole show. I think she's fantastic, and she had a hero's death. She went out like a hero, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. So, loved this two-part finale, but I do feel, kind of like my last thought on it, my, I do feel that I was missing part of it, and, I, and the part that I was missing was the two-parter penultimate prior to it. So, Guys and gals, if you don't envision yourself watching the entire series but want to watch the finale, I would recommend watching the the two part penultimate right before it because I do think it'll it'll set the stakes up better for for under or at least the understanding of what's happening here. So uh, Zach, the finale, what do you think? Well, I I echo all your sentiments. Um, it's very rare, if not never has happened where there's a kid show where one of the main characters gets killed at the end and uh especially it being a female character making it a female centric episode where she's the hero and i think that's you know a little uh off brand from the 80s i think so to speak you know when the when the main hero as captain power is supposed to save the day and he doesn't so that's very dark stuff and heavy stuff to deal with. And so I think kids watching this way back when would be left like you were with a lot of, you know, unanswered questions and wanting to know why I was 11 at the time. So I think I was like more well, like, this is cool. You know, I'm shocked, but like 
whoa, what's going to happen next? When a character dies in a show, a la Optimus Prime, I like didn't want to play with the toy anymore because I'm like, the character is dead. Like, like I, I, he's dead. I can't bring him back. I don't know how to do that. I didn't. My brain didn't work that way. You know, I was like, yeah, he's gone. I, I can't. I, I can't build world build outside of that. Um, I liked the little robot that uh, Lord Dread was interacting with. <laughs> one of my and hits here was that that one. Yeah, I liked him too. It, it's not a CGI robot, yeah. which actually makes me love it even more because it's it's a practical effects character and it's cool looking. And and maybe they spent a million dollars on that one. Who knows? Um, yeah, the Blaster and Sauron, like I world build that these were humans that they were put into robots. That's that's where I would go with that. You're not because um, they're so. OK, You're cool. Do, do oh, they have, nice. Diallo, sorry, Zach. Diallo, do they have backstories for Blaster and Sauron? Um, so they have a backstory for what they are. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'll let Zach finish, and I, I'll talk a little bit. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so really quickly, I always, you know, felt like uh, that's where I went with them. I was like, they're more than just machines, right? Um, I liked the obviously a Scout's, you know, sad story about Christmas is a great opportunity for him to show a side that you want to see with your characters, but then they just drop it at that. I'm like maybe this whole episode should have been about scout, you know, and not about pilot because that would have kind of made more sense. Like they felt like they were dealing with so many storylines in this episode, in this two parter where they could have gone either way, you know, they could have made it more about him and that would have been fine too. Um, and then I'm like, wow, Captain Powers really tower towering over Scout. It makes her look like a little child when he's like, oh, pi- pilot, you mean? Or sorry, uh, over <laughs> over Scout. No, uh, I'm like, wow, Captain Powers really towering over Pilot. This is a little uncomfortable for me because <laughs> he looks like it's a little weird. They're so tall. He was tall. He was. I, he was taller than everybody. I noticed. Like, yeah, he's yeah. huge. He was a tall he's a huge yeah. guy. He towered over a tank. And I was like, yeah, yeah over a tank. <laughs> Um, you know, for, for, for the show to wrap up in this way, it's, it's bittersweet because you want to see it go on and you want to see it have a finale. Uh, while we were, you know, getting ready to record and recording, I I sent a message, uh, an image to both Diallo and Corey. There was a comic book that came out, uh, in 88 and it didn't really, um, move forward past that. I had that comic. I don't have it anymore, unfortunately, but I'm sure you can acquire it on eBay or whatever. Uh, I'd be curious to see if they build a bigger story from this, but I don't think they did. Um, yeah, that's my final thoughts on on this episode. This on the series will wrap up as well, but uh, I'll wrap up my final thoughts in a minute. But Diallo, you've got a lot of insight. What's your insight into this episode? Yeah, I mean, like I was, I said a little bit before that sort of back half of the show, all kind of like there was like a shift in the storytelling and. There was a, there were like more hints of, of a connected story arc. It wasn't very, it wasn't like super strong, but there were like little pieces. Um, so it again, like it, it actually makes sense to la- to watch the last four episodes. It almost forms a, like a movie or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, so. Um, and then before the, the two part episode that I was referring to, a summoning of thunder, those are the that's the two part episodes where they have the backstory about um, 
like Captain Power and everything. So it goes back, and I think it was like 15 years before, and it showed like they were building the base. His father's there. It was like a there were like tons of people in the base at the time, and they were telling, and they were basically giving you all the things that you needed to know about how like why things are the way they are now. So um, like. Uh, um, yeah, they wanted to keep the base secret. Uh, Captain Power was training. He was like a younger actor. Um, he was training to, to like fight. Um, Hawk was sort of like his mentor that was there. So it was like Hawk and Captain Power and his dad, but the rest of the rest of them weren't there yet. Um, Captain Power gets captured, um, ends up, and then um, his dad ends up going to try to save him and while hawk is still at the headquarters he i forget exactly how it happens but um that's when the hologram shows up with the dad he's like his dad programmed it with his memories so that john will never be alone um if he goes away and then he shows him this this wall with all the suits in it and so um, Hawk's the first one to ever actually activate a suit. Um, and it's like a big, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. They're not tested yet. And he does it. And anyways, he goes in and saves the day. Um, but yeah, so those uh, Dread and Captain Power's dad were used to be uh, like partners. And there was going to be like, I think it was right before the war. And... The dad wanted to use the machines to like to stop wars forever, and but the but uh, dread I forget his name. He has he actually has a name. Um, merged his mind with the overmind, and that's why he you know that kind of became what he was. He gets injured in this episode, and that's why he has the way like looks like Darth Vader slash Baltar now. Um, but anyway. In that, I think it's in that episode they talk about it where that's when they show Sauron being created and he makes a note about um, it's like the merging of DNA with machines. And so okay. that's the okay. first machine that I think can like be sort of like autonomous because of the, the rest of them were robots. So um, and then they show Blastar being created a little bit like Blastar is not. From the start, and he gets created a little bit later, the sixth or seventh episode, um, and it's kind of like the same deal. So, anyway, that was a long-winded way of saying <laughs> that. Uh, by, by the way, you, 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 when you were saying that uh, dread, and thank you for putting all that in because that's great context. Uh, when you're saying dread looks a little bit like those two characters, he also looks like Sid Haig from Jason of Star Command. Oh yes! Oh my god! Oh my god! Which, which I believe wow. for me was the was the last live action um, like science fiction series that I watched as a kid that was Saturday morning, dude related. You saying that because like when I was watching the show, like I had kind of like it was, to me it was like a cut. You already said Doctor Who, which like I felt. I was getting Doctor Who vibes, but I was getting, there was a show called Arc 2 um, yes. back in like the 70s and, um, and, and yeah, Jason and Star Command, like those, all those live action shows from like the mid to late 70s that were on Saturday mornings. And yeah, I definitely, it, it was like a merging of all of those and like a, a strange vibe 
partly why I don't think it lasted, but also why it was cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They just didn't quite get the right vibe. But anyways, if anybody out there is watching, I actually recommend that you watch um, like at least those six episodes, actually. Um, there's a few, uh, there's a few in there that kind of like, um, like the, what, like the episode, uh, Zach covered, there's a episode, I think it's called Eden Road. That was pretty interesting. There's a, I mean, they, they, they do a lot of building of, um, of the characters and stories. There's one where they go to like this, uh, this like, like super cyberpunk city. Um, and it's like very much like, um, this is 1987. So I don't want to, um, would would uh, William Gibson? What's the neck nearer? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, Johnny Mnemonic, or and all the oh, yeah. yeah neuromancer stuff, all that tech yeah. noir and yeah cyberpunk shit. Yes, yeah. there was an episode where uh, Captain Power like gets jacked into a system, and it's like, I mean, it was like '87 before like all of these concepts were like really like well known as they are so that that was pretty interesting also it was like a, a little bit of ahead of its time in that regard i mean it's basically like the basic concepts of like the matrix you know um so yeah it's a it's a pretty interesting pretty interesting show and that finale was just man <laughs> my heart i didn't want to watch it actually because like i knew i knew it was gonna happen but and then when I was watching it, like it was even worse than I remembered because I didn't really remember the circumstances or anything. I just I remember she died, but I just didn't I didn't know how. And it was just like watching how they set everything up, like in the episode before where they were all dancing and happy. And I was just like, oh, well, and the fact that, he, you know, Captain Powers, like we'll be there in a second. Just, you know, basically live. And she's like, I'm yeah. broken inside. Like, you, you know, she says something to that regard for, for yeah. kids. But you know as well as I, we all know, like, her ribs are probably broken. Like, her fucking stomach's met. Like, she got shot by Blastar, like, multiple times. Yeah. And it, like, you know, sapped her power and everything. But, like, just those words. And she had a little bit of blood coming out of her mouth. But you know. Like, you know what they're trying yeah. to say. She's she's dead. She knew she was dead. And that's what I was like well, that's what was kind of gut wrenching, that there was no saving her whatsoever. Well, and the the fact that he sent her back to in the first yes. place alone. And the protocols were to do what she did, but he was like he told her from like the jump from jump, like Save yourself. Don't yeah, save yourself before any like anything happened and she was like no these are like these are the protocols i gotta i gotta do them so that it like after it was all done and he's standing there and he's just like i told her to save herself and it's just like yeah like you see how much he cared because he forgot about all the rules right in that instance he just wanted to save her i think it just the complexity of it was like it was just really well done and i love that it wasn't all for naught because they received the Skyjet with the bag of, you know, backup suits, secondary yeah. suits, and which I'm sure they were going to design into maybe new suits, you know, to show or whatever. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it, yeah, it's season two. And, and they got the backup, you know, uh, CPU for the, for the, you know, his dad, basically, yeah. you know, so she did everything. And that's when I was like, my realization after all of this, uh, you know, and I, I am absolutely going to watch the show now. I just can't watch it before going to bed. Otherwise, I'll just, you know, fall over <laughs> the floor and have an epileptic seizure. But, like, I realized at the end of this that 
she was the fucking hero of the show the entire time. And that Judgment episode, the only reason we picked it was because it was so highly rated on IMDb. And then it also turns out to be, a, you know, an episode based on her. Yeah. Um, and then even when they were showing, like, flashbacks of them, they were showing flashbacks from that episode as well. And I was like, yeah, that was... I think that was a pretty, obviously, a very, very pivotal episode for her character. But I, I think the even the writers or the the editor or whatever was like, yeah, this was a good episode. You guys need to remember this one. And uh, it's, again, Zach, you said it as well. It's kind of, it's off-brand for the 80s to make the female character this just... I'm, we've seen strong characters in the 80s. Yes, Ripley. Yes, Sarah Connor and stuff like that. We, we I mean, you guys understand what I'm saying. It wasn't the norm, though. Especially not in a TV show to make them this strong and, and, and you know, this much of a hero. Well, it, it's interesting because I think of, uh, you know, strong female characters in science fiction series. And I think of like Wilma in um, Buck Rogers, right? And my favorite, my favorite episode is the one where she is, uh, you know, possessed by the vampire, and she kind of ends up saving the day in that, so to speak, too. Not it, totally. It's been a while since I've seen it, so it's a little foggy. Uh, we might have to do a Buck Rogers episode, like talking. Might about, have to. Yeah, like, just just Buck Rogers, down. just Buck Rogers. Dude, yeah, that is one of my sure. all-time favorite shows. And I'm calling out okay. the <laughs> vampire one is my favorite one. Um, but yeah, just state in fact. But you know, that's an example of like the female character getting you know the the spotlight in the episode but this is the finale so this is even or you know this is the end of the series whether this was you know the official finale i think what didn't uh, typically shows would go 52 episodes uh way back when for a whole season so maybe this goes 30 or something i don't know uh but for it to for this to be the final episode for us to be the final memory of this show that's pretty powerful stuff so rest in peace pilot slash chase yeah and can i like you know call out sort of you know in a comparison so like denise crosby's um you know death in star trek next generation uh tasha yar was so unceremonious compared to this death you know and and i think i think that kind of is like i think that's what makes this Captain Power episode stand out because her death was meaningful, whereas, you know, uh, Denise Crosby's death on, on Star Trek The Next Generation just, it felt like just a, another episode and then she just happened to die. I remember that episode. I remember her dying uh, very vividly because I liked her character a lot on Star Trek Next Generation and, and, and TNG was my Star Trek, you know, so I love Tasha Yar. But, uh, you know, I, I think this was a better death than she had. Agreed. I mean, by far. Like, yeah. Um, by the way, my favorite Buck Rogers episode is the two-parter with Jack Palance. All right. You're calling it Khalil. right now. Khalil. Um, guys and gals, I mean, I, I loved Battlestar Galactica as a kid, but I watched a lot of Buck Rogers, too. So you heard it here. We're going to – we'll tackle that at some point uh, as well. You know they have a like they actually have a, like a song song for it, like with words. I don't know. Yeah, they do. Cool. I'm telling you, they All do. All right, cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> super right. cheesy. Anyways, sorry. This is not the Buck Rogers book. I just got I got excited. It will be. It will be one sorry, day. It's my, yeah. fault. Um, my fault. So, uh, Zach, uh, what are your final thoughts on the series, and also uh, Bodie's thoughts and any other family members' thoughts? That's well, all. Final thoughts. Uh, well, quickly, Bodie was not a huge fan, and I get it. it it's too much. It's too much. Um, you know, too much dramatic. Uh, backstory and and characters that he was not familiar with, and uh, I think under we watched it for Saturday morning cartoons, and he he just wasn't feeling it. He liked this the, the practical stuff he thought was cool, the sets and everything he thought was neat, and the suits were cool. He liked that. I don't think he cared for the drama. I also think it's it's you know we talked about this doesn't that's not the age demographic that clearly this show is for older audience. And I can corroborate that. I showed it to my nephew the first episode uh, a few months back, uh, maybe six months back at this point. And he's only about a year and a half younger than Bodie. And yeah, it, it didn't hit with him at all. Yeah. So but I will say uh, uh, this, you know, my, my uh, kid that used to be, used to be my kindergarten student. Now he's 16, which has tripped me out. Uh, watched it with us and he's, he was super into it. He thought it was really cool. So, uh, you know, the, 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 this generation right now, there's hope for him yet. <laughs> uh, my final thought is it's a damn good show and it didn't get its due diligence. And I'm glad we paid it a tribute. Zach, do you have the DVD box set too? I do. I don't have that sweet slip cover that you have, but I do have the box set and it does have a documentary on it as well. So I'm curious to watch the documentary. It's a 25th anniversary uh, edition. Is this the cover the same? Is it the Drew Struznan uh, yes. cover? Okay. It's it just is, mine's, the, mine's just a little bit different. Yeah, it, it is the same Drew uh, Struzman, uh cover art. But, you know, the the quality of the episodes is not so great. It looks like it was copied off a of VHS tape, which is fine. It's it, it's neither here nor there. And I think it's available on YouTube as well. You can watch all the episodes. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have the DVD set as well. Um, yeah, quality's not great, especially when you're watching on like a you know, giant TV nowadays, flat screen, you know. Right. It was... It was made for for a tube TV. Look, um, like like I do with territory marks on two dollar late fee. Uh, sometimes I recommend watching it on a small, like on your phone, because <laughs> our TVs back then were so small. It's almost it's almost better to watch it through that because you're like you're not missing a whole lot when you're watching on a giant TV. You're like, oh, this is rough. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you like finish it out because you watched the entire series. Um, so I want, I want to let you have the time to sort of talk about your thoughts on the series as a whole and everything. Um, but I think this was awesome. I think it held up well. Um, I loved it. I absolutely will be watching. Maybe I'll watch an episode every lunch or something, you know, every day for lunch. But it won't take long. 22 episodes, guys and gals, 22 minutes apiece. It's not hard to get through. Um, I think it's worth your time, especially just the episodes that I've seen. I think it's worth your time. I think there's a lot of meat on the bones here uh, to to really enjoy, and a lot, you know, very little to not enjoy. I don't, I don't, the CGI doesn't bother me. You know, I, if anything, I said it multiple times already, but I'll just kind of reiterate it. They gave a lot of personality to Sauron and Blastar. You know, these CGI characters. Sauron does a lot of stuff. You know, they're doing things, and you got to give them props for that because. 
it just you know the technology wasn't quite there and like diallo said the technology almost wasn't even there in the early 2000s either like we're just kind of now living in a time where we get a character like ig you know 11 or whatever on on the mandalorian we're a completely cgi character but i do think a lot of times nowadays they'll they'll kind of make close-up shots be actually a prosthetic or something that they'll build you know or something and then cgi around it but these yeah. were fully 1987, fully realized CGI characters, and you know what? I just say get past it, and uh, and I think there's a lot of charm. There's even charm in Sauron and Blastar, you know. I think it's great, so I highly recommend it. I think it's a fantastic show, and I I love it. So Diallo, what uh what are your thoughts on the, on the whole man? I mean, you spent uh you spent 22 uh, episodes with it, so what what are your thoughts here? Yeah, just for you know a little caveat or whatever if you're anyone out there is gonna watch it it's uh i mean it, they're all around 22 minutes but the opening credits are about a minute and a half and yeah they're the, very the back, long yeah the back <laughs> yeah. credits are about minute minute and a half so i mean it's really like 19 <laughs> like they, they yeah. and that's kind of why i was able to actually get through them because they they went through pretty quickly like there was like a break in the middle and then before you knew it the episode was over yeah um there's only like one commercial break per episode and you can tell where yeah. it is you know yeah it's like yeah. right in the middle yeah yep. Yep. yeah <laughs> so yeah like i like i i wanted to i wanted to watch the entire thing because again i like i just i remember the show and it had a certain place in my head but I was like, eh, I actually want to watch this entire thing, you know, um, especially because I remember the end. And so I just wanted to I really wanted to see how we got there. And then also knowing that J. Michael Straczynski was uh, involved in writing a lot of the episodes and um, like uh, story editor, executive story editor, I think I just wanted to like I, I could see his level of thought being put into these scripts that weren't supposed to be anything other than just a vehicle for toys. Um, and it he ended up creating something that I thought like it went, a, it went deeper, you know, like when I was watching towards the beginning, I was texting you guys. I was like, Whoa, that's, this show's pretty dark. Like there was like a scene where like they're threatening to like kill all these people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like a, a tank is gonna have a fight to the death like i'm like geez like this is like a kid show and uh there was that little clip that i think they used this this challenger explosion yes no they did that <laughs> they was did they did. yeah because yeah. that was eight that was 86 so that yeah, tracks yeah, yeah. Was like, wow like anyways um but yeah, it was it was a, it was really fun to watch. I could I could see why it didn't um, why it didn't continue. I just I feel like it be it if it it had to commit to a tone, and so the kitty elements that are like kind of on this on the bigger picture never really jived with the stories that were going on. So, I mean, it's called Captain Power, right? I mean, and it's just like, that sounds kind of cheesy, right? The name, just his name. But then the stuff that's going on is like super dramatic. And it, it just, so it never quite, it never quite jibed with each other. And there was actually a line in one of the episodes where um, uh, Captain, like a Captain Power picks a woman up 
and she's like, what's your real name? And he's like, he's like, Jonathan Power. She's like, oh, that's your real name? She's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even like the writers kind of acknowledged uh, that, you know, and I think that they were kind of trying to get away from that stuff too when when he, when uh, Dredd destroys the little robot so that he can get the, uh, the whatever, that device out of it so that he can use it to find where the warp is. It yeah. was very like sinister, and it was like when they introduced that robot, it was like kind of kiddie, and I was surprised when he shows up and then he destroys it, right? So, I think that they were actually trying to get away from that stuff where they could, um, and they kind of acknowledged that it was a little kiddie. I don't know that this is a show that you could you could do um, unless you really like do today, unless you really like rethought a few things. Um, I also think that um pilot could be brought back easily (laughs) and like like for a season two yeah i I thought that like i was like blastar digitized her before the explosion and then and then beamed the digitization up to a satellite and then explosion i yeah i thought the same thing you could easily bring her back but at the same time i was secretly hoping that they never would yeah, I wouldn't. I like if they brought her back, it would be one of those things where I would like I if they did a season two, I wouldn't want them to do it in the first episode. But maybe even like a season three, they you know she shows up and but there's some kind of like twist so she can't hang out. Um, they also they also established in the in the two part episode before the finale because I think they destroyed both. I think they destroyed both Sauron and um, Blastar, and they could like regrow themselves or something. Yeah. So that was yeah, that yeah. was another another bit. So like Blastar could have just re- regrown, and that could have in the time that it took to regrow, and he could have like whatever put the digitized version of her when he fully came back. So I mean, there's just there's just ways they could have done it, but like you said, I like her death being final. And I want to call out the fact that you, you mentioned earlier, you know, it kind of changed. Maybe it changed tonally halfway through. Because, like, you, you said there was a point halfway through where it kind of makes this change. Mm-hmm. And I do want to note real quick that the original air date for the first episode was September 1st, 1987. And they were still filming up till December of 1987. So that mm-hmm. allows allowed them to maybe judge some reactions in September mm-hmm. and then maybe make some alterations in the last in the you know the last half or something that makes sense yeah yeah easily it's it's just it's um they they kind of went with like some really good character stuff that and 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 i'm gonna say this and anyone out there listening do not conflate what i'm saying and make it i'm not saying this literally but there are elements of the drama and character from battlestar galactica the remake that I can actually see in some of the elements in this show. Um, and I think that's why I think it doesn't actually overall doesn't work because some like it's some of the things that they are talking about are really complex emotionally and it doesn't really it doesn't really flow with power on, you know, and armor and you know that kind of thing. Um, because that's more like centurions, right? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Power so extreme. Yeah. Yeah. So and then, and that and that's not me knocking it at all. 
Um, I just think that that's kind of why I think it might not have really connected. Because when you watch it, you're you're kind of like, I don't know where to put this in my brain. Am I supposed to like the action, or am I supposed to like the um, the the two lovers coming back together, and you know, whatever. So. Anyway, I thought it was a great show. Um, I'm glad I watched the entire thing. I can't wait to watch the en- entire Buck Rogers series. That was my show, man. Oh, my God. How many anyway. seasons was uh, Buck Rogers? Two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, not, that's not too bad. Okay. It's not like a five yeah. or six series i don't even think that the second season was like a full i okay. don't think was a full season i think it got canceled before in my head it would it you know it was on for like five years but that was probably yeah, just reruns right. and syndication reruns, yeah. you know that was like the original battlestar galactica that was always a thing it was only on for one season but it felt like it was on for years yeah <laughs> it, it only it only ran 32 episodes so okay uh buck rogers yeah Wow. Season one was twenty one episodes. Season two was uh, was eleven. Yeah, well, I can't wait for Buck Rogers. I had a massive crush on Aaron Gray as a kid. Oh man, you were not the only one. <laughs> I don't think I was. Uh, so I think all around, Captain Power was a was a winner for all of us. And I'm glad that we took the time, you know, to to cover this as a singular episode. Um, guys and gals, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there, you know, discussing the, you know, the toys and everything like that. So, you know, go check them out. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff around this show, but at the end of the day, as a show, not as a toy vehicle, um, I recommend it as a show. I think it's a really cool ass show. So, uh, yeah, I think you can still get the complete series on DVD. I think it's still available. Um, yep. Unlike the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, which all of a sudden like was available for like forever, and then all of a sudden they make a they make an appearance in a in a, you know live action movie, and then all of a sudden now it's not available anymore. Uh, hopefully that means they're going to be bringing out a Blu-ray set. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah that might I have been ha- that might have had to do with uh, didn't like Hasbro or something get the rights. There was like some kind of big deal about the game and the rights and stuff. So. Well, the funny thing is that there's now Dungeons & Dragons, you know, uh, cartoon toys on the shelves as well. Mm -hmm. And you still can't, you know, you can't get the Dungeons & Dragons DVD set. Sometimes, sometimes humanity just blows my mind. (laughs) And, like, the thought process of all of it, and I can't really figure it out. But uh, Captain Power, guys and gals, I think we can all three of us recommend uh, go checking this one out. And I think all three of us can recommend go check out uh, Galactica Actually. Diallo, uh, how are a, things going over there? Are you enjoying? Uh, <laughs> I still have yeah. a good catch. I try. I try to. Was, I, I come was, up with them on the fly, but I try. That was pro style. That was, that was really good. <laughs> I, I might have only. I might have been doing this for four years. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Diallo, how's uh, Galactica actually doing these days, buddy? Galactica actually is going really great. It's actually, actually going really well. It's actually going really well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we just were in the, the beginning parts of season two right now. Um, we just, uh, recorded, uh, episode Fragged that, uh, features a character called Crashdown. I have some really fun stuff, uh, that I'm going to be releasing 
around that some pretty cheesy uh, celebratory things about Crash John. So follow us on Instagram if you want to see it. It's really funny. Cool. Um, especially if you watch the show, you'll appreciate it. Um, so yeah, my co-host Jamie and I are just kind of going through the show episode by episode and giving our breakdowns and um, giving insights. And, you know, I, I always dissect things. So I, I go on little rants <laughs> about certain things uh, on each episode. And I've also been watching the old uh, Battlestar um, just because I started getting really curious about like the connections and, and stuff and kind of finding similarities uh, that aren't necessarily on the surface, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's a... Uh, Galactica, actually, actually. <laughs> and do we have anything for Angel in the Dark that you can talk about? Actually, I can, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been, uh, like, I've been working on it for a while. Um, so Angel in the Dark um, was a comic book that uh, myself and um, the co-creator and artist Russell Fox uh published in 2018 um and uh for the last year i just i wanted i've always wanted to turn it into something more we were always looking towards putting it into animation and in order to get it there um i developed it as a motion comic book so we took the issue turned it into motion comic um and we have we're having it put to music we have voice actors this is one guy you might know that's doing a voice. Um, his name's Zach Schaefer. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's uh, doing the voice of one of the characters, Lomos O'Neill. I got a whole slew of voice actors, um, and I was, I'm very grateful to have had them. Um, an international group of voice actors. And the big news about all of it is is that the theme song for the motion comic for angela the dark is being done or has been done by one murray gold who um if you watch the new doctor who you know who he is he's the composer of doctor who he was and now is again the composer um he left for a few years when chris chibnall was the showrunner but he's just come back um, so yeah, he did the theme music for Angela in the Dark. You'll if you sit around to watch it, it'll be in the last um, few minutes of the of the uh, episode, and that's really exciting because it's like Murray Gold, and um, really excited. It should be coming out in a few weeks. Um, follow us on Angela in the Dark on Instagram to get uh, news and updates. Um, we also have uh, Facebook. Angela Dark um, page, and then um, a YouTube channel that I started um, for my um, independent production um, studio uh, called Forge Creation, where we'll be putting up the video eventually. Very cool. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear it, and, and it looks amazing, by the way. Yeah, you uh, you had you had help put getting it, getting it done too. We had like we had uh, titles done, like professional uh, professional titles done. Um, it, like it, you know, a lot of it looks really good. So I'm uh, really hoping um, it's entertaining enough and want to help move it towards getting um, made into actual animation. Uh, so well, we'll have the links um, in the show notes, as always. Uh, we'll, we'll link specifically 
uh, to Angela in the Dark's Instagram page and whatnot, so that way you can uh, people can watch that trailer and everything because it's it's really freaking awesome. So I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of how that that turned out. So good good job, buddy. That's awesome. Glad that's here. Uh, Glad it's as, happening. As, as Burt Reynolds says in Boogie Nights, y- you made a real thing. You made a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Should have had uh, Stan Bush. Uh, do some music. You got the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach, you're always making real things over at two dollar late fee. Did you segue? Boy. Uh, hey. How's <laughs> uh, how's that things going over there specifically? Territory marks. Since this is uh, uh I, you know, TV obscure is kind of the territory marks of of podcast after dark, meaning that it's on the feed, but it's a spinoff show and everything. How's that show going? I've, I'm all caught up at this point. Wait, well, I don't like don't Zach. I don't want Zach to tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> Please do, because I might be the biggest fan of Territory Marks. I am obsessed. <laughs> I will go to the gym and I will listen to this uh, when I'm like on the treadmill or whatever, and like Zach and um, and uh, uh, London, Paul London. I, yeah, Paul London, like. The the dynamic between the two is great. I like I love that like Paul is a professional I'm just gonna take over for you, Zach. Paul is a <laughs> professional wrestler. I'm so excited about this show. Like I like I text I'll text them like, oh my god, like this is so good. Um but like <laughs> but like because Paul is was a professional wrestler, so his insight into the entire and the entire world comes from like this place of like the, his commentary on like how like these old matches approach things is so great. And then Zach, you all know Zach, and he just like <laughs> he he like Zach just knows stuff, and like the way that he talks about it is just so like I I just I get lost in it, and and, and then they and then they put a context around it of like what came out in that year, which kind of kind of like hammers um hammers like your perspective in place about what was going on in the world like music and that kind of stuff in movies so i'll let i'll let zach talk about his show but i just i i had to gush because i like i i just i like, love it yeah <laughs> i love it I'm gonna, I, I just had uh territory mark stickers made so uh, i'll have to get yeah. some stickers to you guys i i mean yeah. it it's the lo- you feel the love in the show yeah. You're loving it. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll love it. If you If you're not a wrestling fan like me, but who someone who grew up with like, you know, tertiary, like wrestling's always been in the periphery with all of my friends. Um I feel like I'm actually learning something when I listen to those episodes and uh Diallo gush, but I will just say my high, my highest compliment that I can give it is that I listen to that show when I can pay attention to it. I never use it as background noise or anything like that because I actually want to hear what they're talking about and understand it. And uh, I love I love anything where people talk passionately about something they like, even if it's something I don't care about. Like, if you're passionate about manhole covers, I'll listen to an hour and a half of you talking about manhole covers if you're passionate <laughs> about it. And uh, Zach is definitely passionate about wrestling, especially that era of wrestling, the 80s, 70s, late 70s, 80s and early 90s era of territory wrestling. Yeah, I'll give you a tease for the for the upcoming episode. Uh, My match in particular will be one of the most famous rivalries in Texas there ever was in the 80s. So uh, I'll leave it at that. And it might be a featured movie 
coming out later this year or next year. I'm not sure when that movie's coming out, but well, more about that when you when you listen to the episode. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. It's one of my favorite matches of all time, and it's celebrating its 40th anniversary uh, by the time we drop this episode. So, um, and then the other bit of news we have for two dollar late fee. It's the exclusive. You've, this is the first time I've announced it anywhere, but we're gonna be. Uh, releasing episodes every week starting june 18th uh you'll in the intro to the brian thompson interview brian thompson of cobra you'll hear uh what's to come so it's i think you're all gonna like it it's 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 yeah it's gonna be fun so we just kind of figured that out today and i know that we're you know we're working on our next uh two dollar late fee podcast after dark crossover episode we're trying to figure out when to when to land it you know how, how to break it down the format stuff like that um but maybe uh next year we can also have a crossover episode with tv obscura and uh your territory marks and get paul london on the show and maybe we can have a you know a, a discussion because i still I, I know that you know you're doing territory marks not everything but i still want our yearly TV Obscura wrestling, you know, uh, thing. Oh, happening. That's not changing. That's good, not changing. Good, and yeah, maybe good. we'll get Paul London in here as well to do that. So, uh, yeah, That'd be, cool. be on the lookout. Lots of big things happening for all of us right now. I love it. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And this month, Zach and I are going to be dropping our review of the village of the damned on the carpenter factor. And, uh, we had a lot of fun talking about that one. We sure did. Oh man. It was great seeing Christopher Reeve again, man. Just love that guy so much. Um, but yeah, listen to that review. We got that one going on, on, uh, Patreon and, uh, next month we have escape from LA. Oh boy. That's going to be a fun discussion. That's awesome. (laughs) That's going to be a, that's going to be a hot take episode. Yeah. Hot take episode yeah hey, you got you got take. if you want to sign up to patreon if you want to hear our hot takes on escape from la sign up to patreon now it's gonna be fun or all the other john carpenter movies yeah. in his complete filmography so if you all don't know if this is the first time you're listening uh, zach and i do a show called the carpenter factor it's under the auteur de force tier on patreon and we are going through every single episode of john uh, every single movie that John Carpenter directed with one little caveat uh, to the side of that. Um, but we're do we're watching them in order. Um, and we are, it's not a full breakdown like we normally do. But what we're trying to do is look at each film as a part of the greater whole. And, uh, you know, this series is going to take us all the way to the end of the year. And then we are going to tackle another auteur. Right now we're sort of tossing around the idea of either tackling Don Coscarelli or... Wes Craven. So we I believe we I thought we were going to do uh, Woody Allen or Roman Polanski. <laughs> of course. <laughs> JK of course. LOL. But we'll Speaking probably manholes. We'll leave it up to uh, we'll probably leave it up to the viewers, uh, uh, the listeners, you know, which way we go. Uh, one day I would love to do a Michael Mann walkthrough as oh, well. Yeah, hell yeah. So we got some great auteurs out there that Zach and I would like to uh, tackle. But right now. You We're gotta about... let me jump in on Heat and Last of the Mohicans if you ever. No doubt. Uh, if you do, Michael Mann. So, Stay yeah. alive. I will find you. I saw those that in the theater. My, those are two of my top ten movies of all time. Those okay. Two I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Heat. Uh, big fan of Manhunter. Big fan. I, you know what? I like uh, the Miami Vice movie uh, that he did. Oh, so. Me too. 
Uh, collateral. collateral is another fucking That's great, great one. That, I feel movie, like that yeah. one's underrated. No one talks about Collateral, really. Yeah. Um, I love, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll... like I, I got thoughts on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the first movies I think shot on HD, I think. It HD was, camera. yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was also, did they shoot it post-LA switching over all of the halogen lights, or was it pre-that? I knew it had something to do with the the lights in L.A. The lighting, when... I can't remember. Yeah. I do know that that's where Jamie Foxx met his future girlfriend, Katie Holmes. Oh, yeah. Who was married to Tom wow. Cruise. Who was married to Tom Cruise <laughs> at the time. <laughs> oh, Tom Cruise. Oh, my God. So, guys and gals, thank you so much for being on this journey with us. We hope you enjoyed, uh, <laughs> I was going to say Carpenter Factor, Captain Power. Uh, please, you know, go out and rate and review our show. Uh, go out and rate and review um, uh, Galactica, actually. $2 late fee. Give everybody a five-star review. It's a free and easy way to you know help the shows grow or just send episodes to your friends be like you know what i listened to this awesome wrestling show on two dollar life you may like it go check it out or oh i know you're a, a battlestar galactica fan i i love galactica actually go check this out so you know just share with your friends it's a great way to help all of our shows grow so thank you all so much for your love and support on both this show and every other show out there and as always Catch you on the power obscure side. I guess tried. I was trying to make something that worked. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. I'll catch you on the power obscure side. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs>